Thank you for listening to the Limahan Basketball Podcast, which is now co-presented by Globally Ballin. Be sure to catch out and subscribe to our podcast via Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you can get your podcasts. Also, add us on Facebook, facebook.com slash limahanpodcast, facebook.com slash limahanpodcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Hey, hey, hey! Hop in and welcome aboard. It's your boy once again, Lance Fernandez, and this is the Limahan Basketball Podcast, a podcast about everything. Philippine basketball, be it professional basketball, semi-pro basketball, 3x3 basketball, collegiate basketball, women's basketball, and everything and anything basketball under the Philippine sun. Glad that you can join us again after a month of non-activity. Here we are coming back to this podcast wherein we love to dissect the biggest news about Philippine basketball as we speak. Glad that you can join us today again on this October episode the first one uh, for this Limahan basketball podcast and uh, we will definitely have more episodes coming this month it just so happened that I had to adjust my schedule to my new work and that's why I wasn't able to attend to the podcast for the month of September but now we are alive and kicking once again and uh, our podcast is still a product and still a partner rather of globally ballin so shout out to aaron aronson for uh endorsing our, our podcast and uh continuing our partnership as we continue to upgrade the, the level of podcast in the philippines and there's a lot of things that happen in just a span of one month there are a lot of headlines uh, as far as philippine basketball is concerned and uh if we are going to tackle all of them in one episode, then uh, the the show would stretch for like two hours. So uh, we won't do that. Although we would like to give shout outs to uh, some of the players who uh, carried our flag in our country in uh, recent competitions. Of course, uh, first things first, we would like to congratulate our Gilas Pilipinas women's squad who competed in uh, the Asia basketball uh, competition and uh, we will mention their names one by one of course because they are worthy of recognition too uh, we are going to congratulate Kelly Casey Hayes Ephil Bernardino Jack Daniel Animam Janine Puentejos Gemma Miranda Franz May Cabinbin Danica Therese Jose Anna Alicia Katrina Castillo Unique Chan Maris Andrea Tonko, Maria Beatriz Daes, and Ria Joy Nabalan, who represented our country in the FIBA Women's Asia Cup uh, in India just recently. And of course, a shout out to their uh, main sponsor, Ever Pilena, team owner uh, Giselle Dossi, uh, of course, related to the Blackwater Elite. And of course, we would like to give a shout out to our Gilas men squad who competed in uh, the FIBA World Cup. And uh, we are going to discuss more. Uh, with what happened uh, for their performance in that competition. And there's just a lot of things that happened, a lot of things occurred as far as Philippine basketball is concerned. Abueva, Calvin Abueva is now in talks with the PBA to come back. And let's see what happens and how that develops. Of course, Coach Yang Giao resigns as head coach of the Philippine men's basketball squad. And his uh, place will be filled up temporarily 
by Coach Team Cohn for uh, at least for the Southeast Asian Games. Uh, beyond that, we don't know yet. And the Philippine uh, uh, PBA, rather PBA Governors Cup, is now in a uh, full swing. And of course, the MPBL Lakan Cup is still ongoing. Of course, UAAP is now it's in second round. So basketball in the country is uh, at its peak as we come to uh, come deeper into the bear months. Uh, we will experience more basketball. Not to mention, we enjoy three UAAP games every Wednesday. So that's a treat for rabid basketball fans. But first things first, and uh, let's get uh, into the meat of things. And we are going to discuss the Gila's men's basketball squad's performance in the recently concluded FIBA World Cup. We're in... Sad to say, we uh, finished in the last spot out of 32 teams. We are 32nd. We did not win anything. And of course, the margin of losses were dismal. The loss to Italy was big. The loss to Serbia was big. We thought we could win against Senegal, but no. And uh, even the classification games uh, are not a good sight to, to see or to look at or to even review. And there are a lot of things why it happened, I believe. And there are a lot of factors that contributed to that um, dismal showing or outcome. First, uh, I believe that the lack of preparation as a team has been detrimental to their campaign in China. Because after the Commissioner's Cup, Junmar Fajardo, Roger Pogoy, and... Troy Rosario needed a quick breather after the finals. They they played six games and after that they did not join Gilas immediately. Rather, uh, they were given a few days of rest before coming into the practices for the national team. And frankly, this version of Gilas only had like ten days or like two weeks. Uh, if we are going to be generous about it to be able to mesh to gel and to play as one cohesive unit when that is not enough when you are going against teams going up against teams that have been playing together for so long Serbia has uh, a lot of tune-up games prior to the World Cup Italy has been intact for so long and Senegal is at, uh, Angola rather uh, Angola yeah I mentioned Senegal earlier but it's Angola Angola is a tough team uh, there are no pushovers. They were former African champions for the longest time. And they have been dominant in the continent for so long. So uh, we cannot take them lightly. And uh, that's what happened in, in the group stage. We did not score a victory. Possibly because we really don't know. Or the players that we sent uh, doesn't have a full understanding or appreciation of what each and everyone can do or bring inside the court. Also, another factor is that poor cold shooting that Roger Pugoy just had to mention after their victory last uh, outing in uh, the Governor's Cup. That uh, if only he had that kind of shooting in the World Cup, and maybe the outcome might be different. So that's how poor it was. Nobody can make a string of baskets like uh, a, a deadly shooter would be and this led me thinking actually the second 
thought, second factor, that uh, the cold shooting aspect. Uh, do we really have any pure shooters left in the PBA? In pure shooters, we're in. You give them five balls, they'll convert five, or maybe even four. So four or five, they would uh, easily convert them, and uh, no, with no sweat, uh, just give them the ball, even without too much warm up or practice. Just give them a ball, you give them a clear view of the hoop, and they can shoot it. They can sink the attempt and looking at the rosters that we have in the PBA I'm not sure if we can consider anybody as a pure shooter anymore so I'm think uh, my, my vantage point for for shooters is that they should be in the level of let's be generous um, Alan Kaidik is the king so if somebody can be like Alan Kaidik that's a shooter but let's say somebody in the level of like a Jimmy Alapago or Don Don Hontiveros who can consistently knock down shots, who can carry his team to victory and more importantly change the game just because of their shooting. And maybe Matthew Wright is the closest that we have currently in the PBA as far as having a pure shooter is concerned. Jeff Chan, possibly, but... As for the rest, we're not sure if we can categorize them as a pure shooter or a streaky shooter. So that's where the demarcation line happens. Is this guy a pure shooter or a a streaky shooter? So even Roger Pugoy, we're not even sure if he's a pure shooter. Because as proven in the FIBA World Cup, if uh, he starts a bad streak, then it's over. And in the last game, he was converting a lot of shots. So that's a streak that's happening for him. And even Troy Rosario converted six three-pointers in their match. So aside from not gelling together, only having 10 game, uh, ten days being together as a cohesive unit. And of course, um, that uh, tournament in Spain, the pocket tournament, did some wonders. At least uh, the players who went there were, were able to familiarize themselves with how each other plays. But bottom line is, uh, it seems like we regress from our performance during the last World Cup, wherein we uh, narrowly lost to the likes of Senegal, or we, we defeated Senegal rather. We narrowly lost to Argentina and even Croatia. So, how can we address this? How can we put a solution to what has happened? Let's face it, we've been the laughingstock of the FIBA World Cup. We had high hopes as a nation, a crazy, passionate nation at that. But the truth of the matter is, we finished 32nd, dead last. And we still continue to love basketball despite. So something drastic has to happen and based on what I saw, we really have to follow the international brand of game. Our system is more of screen first and then if the pick and roll materializes then well and good. But what if it doesn't, then we uh, opt for one-on-one plays, we tend to 
uh, our players rather tend to do plays on their own or create magic out of the possessions where in fact the opponents that we face at least the European squads like Italy and Serbia they move the ball very well all of their big guys can shoot from the outside and they have an appreciation for the mid- medium range game that the court is not just paint and three point line but there is a perimeter area wherein you can still dominate and score two points so their flow is just uh, surgical precision if I may put it and the game of Serbia against the Philippines is the best example of that they just dissected us on their offensive sets and they're not doing anything fancy it's just they're, it's just that they're playing the way they know to play that has been their system even uh, since they were young that's how they've been taught to play that basketball is a team game we we do know that as well but our team game most uh, likely is premedicated on like two or three people and then the other two guys wait outside or uh, act as decoy but for European teams like Serbia and Italy it's really five guys playing inside the court moving fluidly taking the spot that one guy left and when he's open he gets the ball and he shoots it so we have to have that appreciation that basketball is not just the NBA NBI no it's not NBI although our performance is criminal and the NBI might need to investigate but kidding aside uh, the NBA style of play wouldn't fit us okay we do have big guys but the NBA guys, American guys, can dominate because they're athletic. And we're not that athletic as compared to the guys from Serbia and Italy. So what do we do? Well, the best example that we can have is play like North Korea. Or What am I saying? <laughs> North Korea doesn't have a basketball squad. We play like South Korea, rather. Just look at how fluid they play. Like even with Ratcliffe there. They move the ball very well. Everybody touches the ball in their possessions. And more importantly, whoever gets the ball in his open gets to shoot it. And more more likely, when they hoist an attempt from three-point land, more often than not, it will find the bottom of the net. And they are astolosets. And physiologically, we are even bulkier than them because of uh, the cross, uh, the mixed races that we've had, and the influx of Phil uh, Foreign players. So, if you can have that appreciation that the international style of basketball is premedicated the movement, picks, cuts, screens, precise passing, and we can start it from the grassroots level then there will be a paradigm shift as far as Philippine basketball is concerned. That we don't highlight that guy who scores 30 points a game, but rather that guy who sets picks, that guy who fluidly moves to get his teammates open for the jumper. And that person who commits or who collects 10 assists in a, in a game. So 
that's what we highlight I hope moving forward and that's the mentality that we need to change if we are to do well in international basketball now who would be the appropriate coach for Gilas moving forward well he was just appointed as a program director at Top Baldwin he might not have um, the best system but he has the system that is closest to international basketball and just just um, have to look at all of the games that they've played in the first round in season 82 most especially that last game against the UP Fighting Maroons that was just surgical precision as far as dominating the opponent's concern so Tab Baldwin has his team already playing an international brand of ball and just look what happened when they represented the country in that Jones Cup they nearly defeated Chinese Taipei or they, they, they defeated Chinese Taipei by one point and they shocked all of the other teams even South Korea so that's that might not be a quick cut solution but rather it's a long term process that starts from thinking differently that dribble drive offense can only work so much what if we don't convert our attempts from the outside most especially from three point line then we're stuck what if the pick and roll has been consistently stopped that the big guy always shows or always uh, carries or covers the point guard and that the point guard couldn't do anything because there's a big shadow covering him so that's the drastic change that has to happen and quite frankly it doesn't start with the PBA guys anymore it should start from the guys or the kids who are just starting to play basketball unfortunately it's the guy who plays 30 points who gets the scholarship and gets the attention the fame but we need to change the way we think basketball if we are to do better this should be a wake-up call for us being 32nd after winning one game in the World Cup five years ago and narrowly losing to better squads not saying that we are regressing but there has to be a drastic change for our perception and our school of thought as far as basketball is concerned we're not tall first things first so how do you contend with a 6-10 small forward when our small forwards are 6-4, 6-3. So you move the ball better. You play cat and mouse to the defender and hoping that you get an open jumper and sink it. If you don't get an open jumper, then as you roam around the court, chances are they might leave somebody open inside the paint and make a quick dish to that guy and we score two points. So, lack of familiarity, cold shooting has been the detriment of this Gilas Filipinas squad in the FIBA World Cup. We had high hopes. We sent the best of the best. But it was uh, up for nothing. 32nd out of 32 teams. And 
2023, we are now going to host. So we are sure of a spot. And in a span of four years, something drastic, something revolutionary has to happen with the way we play basketball internationally. Let that team be the example or the turning point we're in. We just give up on the dribble drive and rather play elevator screens or a Princeton offense or motion offense or just move the ball better. May that team, 2023, be the start that we have learned our lesson from 2019 and four years after. We change our perception about international basketball, adapt it, get players that are a perfect fit for that kind of system, make them practice longer than 10 days together. And the PBA has to adjust its schedule also if there is an international competition coming because we'll know it years before. So 2023, we already know that there will be a World Cup. So. If the PBA can only adjust their schedule, sacrificing one conference and making it two, then that will be a big advantage, giving these players, whoever will be chosen, giving them a lot of time to mesh together, gel together, and just bond together because that works, that helps chemistry. So I'm not sure how much of these solutions or these. Uh, changes will be implemented and not even an expert I'm just uh, seeing things and suggesting what we can change and hoping that SBP powers that be PBA will just uh, look at what happened in 2019 assess it leave it behind and do something 100 like a 180 degree turnaround that this type of basketball wouldn't work anymore but rather you have to find a new system a new school of philosophy a new coach a new mentality more importantly find confidence that we really can compete against the best of the best in the world So if there's something that the 82nd season of the UAAP men's basketball tournament has proven to me is that basketball is not just team play, defense, and being a cohesive unit, but rather you do need a little luck or a lot of luck for you to win games or to score victories. And that is very evident as uh, we dissect the first round of two teams talking about the UP Fighting Maroons and the NU Bulldogs. NU was just on the unfortunate end of the spectrum to lose uh, four games uh, by close margins. Although they had to win one in the first round, that was all they could get. And uh, they lost six of their first seven games. But if only they had that extra push, or if only they did a few things well prior to the last minutes of the match then no doubt that 
they could have flipped the record. Instead of being one and six, they could have been five and two easily. Maybe six and one. But it's just the breaks of the game are not going their way. And now, just because of those close games and uh, some miscues or blunders late in the game, and I call that inexperience. Uh, charge against a squad that has uh, young guns talented at that but uh, are not that mature yet to close out games I mean Sean and Defonso and David Defonso they will carry this team for, for years to come and that John Lloyd Clemente is also a sensation but unfortunately for now uh, it's just that Lady Lap Lady Luck has not given them a, a great tune and that's why they're languishing at the bottom of the team standings and possibly Coach Jamaica in squad is in jeopardy he's now in the hot seat just because of those uh, close games close matches and then on the other side of the spectrum we have the UP Fighting Maroons who are so lucky with this close games these close games they won three games by a solitary point and then won two more by six points apiece. So that's an average margin of winning of three points. So that's a total of 15 points for all of their leads and divided by five till you get three. So they won games by a single possession. And if you are one of those teams who lost to UP by this way if not they got all of their wins this way then you tend to ponder come second round all we need are a few adjustments a few uh, refining in our armor and our strategy then we could overcome this team in the second round if UP would stay that way, though, it was uh, Coach Bob Perasol who said that he is uh, taming or controlling Wild Stallions, his squad. So that seems like a euphemism for he doesn't know yet how to put everyone together in their place because he has too many offensive weapons, too many offensive options that one of them, Richie Rivera, hasn't had a hasn't had a breakout game yet he did well early in the game against Ateneo and then not much since his uh, brief uh, stellar performance in the first two quarters he's being overshadowed by Juan Gomez de Leano and even Kobe Paras who is one of the top candidates for uh, the mythical selection so that's the reality that the UB Fighting Maroons are facing. That yes, they might be the second best team in the league with a 5-2 record. But if you dissect it thoroughly, those wins were nail biters. They came close. And if they don't do any adjustments and continue their style of play wherein they build a lead and then they let it be consumed 
they let the other team go back into the game, relax a bit, and then try to salvage the game at the end. Maybe come the second round, there are no surprises anymore. They have been scouted. They have been uh, their their play has been dissected, and the other teams will now prepare a more thorough strategy against them. Now it's not about uh, a feeling stage anymore, much like a first round in the prize fight between two championship boxers. It's not that way anymore in the second round. There's nothing you can hide anymore. So it's a matter of having a better strategy outlasting your opponent more importantly winning because of a system and frankly the system of UP for now it's it cannot be defined it can uh, they're still they're still finding their identity they're still finding who they are yes they do have a lot of stars they do have a lot of offensive options but they're not quite there yet as far as making everyone work as in, in unity as concerned. There's still plays that Kobe Paras takes on his own. And even Richie is uh, guilty for some plays that takes the ball on his own. So they still have that mentality that they're scorers. But now they have to immerse themselves into the system that Coach Boy Perasol is trying to employ. This is not to say, though, that UP won't make it to the Final Four. All they need is three wins, and I believe that they will get those three wins to at least secure a Final Four slot. I believe that eight wins would be enough to secure a Final Four, four rather, slot this season. And I think they can make it. They can win three more games. But... It would be a challenging second round because they are starting it with a handicap as Bo Perasol is out for three games and in- instead of them having the confidence that they defeated five teams in the second round, these five teams lost to them will now have the confidence to say, they just narrowly beat us and they're the second best team in the tournament so just a few refinements in our game plan and a lessening of turnovers can get us over the hill so let's see what happens in round number two Um, the reality is NU should or must get six more wins to at least have a shot in the final four and that's not easy to do if you have teams like Ateneo LaSalle UP and even FEU waiting on the wings and Adamson has also proven and even USD uh, has proven that they can contend and that they are rightful for a final four slot also and as far as the UP Fighting Maroons are concerned, let's see how those narrow victories will now define their identity as they seek who they are, define their roles even better without their head coach for the first three games. So it would be an interesting second round for these two teams. 
and an interesting second round altogether in UAAP season 82. One question being, will Ateneo get an immediate final slot and stay undefeated? So that's still on the line because they're 7-0. Or who will take uh, the third and the fourth spot in the final four because it's still up for grabs essentially. Even NU has an outside opportunity if everybody else falters. So that calls for an exciting second round of action for UAAP Season 82. I can't wait. And I will, uh, as much as possible, monitor the games, follow the results. And of course, um, whoever comes out to the Final Four, then that just heightens the excitement and the intensity of the matches. But let's see if luck continues to be a factor in these games. But I believe in the second round, you win less through luck. But rather, better game plan, better system. More importantly, that will to win that drive because the other teams already know how you play. So it's just putting your game up a notch, going into full gear, and just be in attack mode. That will put teams over the hump and into the final four of season 82. You're still tuned in to the Limahan Basketball Podcast with me, Lance Fernandez. And just as we have discussed or just discussed the UP Fighting Maroons earlier now we go to uh, the impending matter at hand wherein Coach Bo Perasol will not be able to mentor his boys for the first three games of round number two in season 82 because of the tirade that he had against uh, one of the referees in their game billed as the Battle of Caripunan against the Adeneo Blue Eagles and some would say that it's a steep uh, punishment, but some would agree. And uh, but bottom line is, uh, how will the Fighting Maroons respond now that uh, their mentor, their coach, will be gone for practically half of the second round, which is crucial because they have to maintain their spot. For a final four berth. And I'm not saying that they will lose these three games, but how you, how big of a psychological factor that would be if they march into the venues, into the games, and their head coach is not there. So Ricky Dandan, Pochwino, Mariah Gingerich, Rodney Santos, and the rest of the coaching staff would have to do an awesome job. To steer the Fighting Maroons to a good record while waiting for their head coach to come back. They have appealed the case already, but uh, it has been repealed. And uh, the three game suspension sticks. And we don't know why 
it was repealed. Um, there's a school of thought saying that the three-game suspension is a bit steep, but when you look at the video again, it's not just throwing bad statements and it's not just complaining that he did. He really entered at the middle of the court, pleaded his case, and worst part is he tried to incite a fight against the official. Okay, you can say that the calls are not going their way, but instead of letting that sink in on you and letting it affect you, just move on to the next play because you should have that mentality that you'll have your revenge anyway when you score a three-pointer or when you get somebody in foul trouble or when you get an offensive rebound and a putback and an N1. And that should that's how you should see uh, basketball. Complaining can only get you so much. You can plead your case to the referee and try to shift their their calls towards your way but that's why basketball is uh, a controversial sport at times because some of the calls are subjective offensive foul blocking foul is subjective hand check foul loose ball foul pushing foul they're all subjective even contact made after an attempt sometimes referees call it too tight sometimes you just let the players play so if that's the reality that basketball is uh, being set uh, upon then if there are bad calls you perceive bad calls and you play through it and you do better by scoring moving the ball and trying to outwit your opponent. And frankly, that could have been uh, the ultimate frustration of Co- Coach Bo Perasol. He might not admit it, but Ateneo just had a stellar game against them. That the Blue Eagles with Coach Tab Baldwin just dissected their defense. Ateneo even allowed the Fighting Maroons to run around the court or have their track meet in the first quarter. That's why UP ended the first quarter with a six-point lead, 21-15. to 15. And then from then from then on, they weren't able to break the 20-point barrier in each of the last three quarters anymore. Wherein Ateneo scored 26 and 20 points in quarters two and three. And just blasted uh, their way uh, farther from their supposed to be rivals. And Ateneo is not doing anything fancy either. They're just moving the ball well. That's how they play. And they just couldn't block out William Navarro who was fighting for every loose ball also. For every offensive rebound at that. And they didn't have a solution for him. They didn't have a solution also for SJ Belangel, who has been a revelation in that match. 
uh, even Gian Mamuyak chipped in, chipped in, and most especially Matt Nieto. That 3D awareness uh, contributions, although uh, essential, have not been noticed for the majority of the game. And of course, Ange Kwame was able to dominate inside, especially with his offensive rebounding. Of course, when he gets the rebounds, they get extra possessions. And when you give a talented team and a disciplined team like the Blue Eagles extra possessions, chances are you'll get burned because they'll know how to adjust and they'll know how to execute the next time. So, the Fighting Maroons have to deal with this. There's nothing they can do anymore. The UAAP board has spoken. And the three-game suspension for Coach Paul Perasol sticks. But I do hope that the game against the Blue Eagles will be a learning curve. A learning lesson. That when they face themselves in the mirror every morning... The reality is they won close games, five close games. They lost to USD by a big margin. And they lost to the defending champions by a whopping discrepancy. So let's see how the saga continues, so to speak, for the Fighting Maroons. With Coach Bob Perasol gone, Ricky Dandan, the first assistant, so he will be assuming head coaching duties. And will it inspire the Fighting Maroons or will they regress? But going back to the matter at hand, uh, that three game suspension, uh, I believe, is just fair. Because if you complain excessively complain well you might get one game for that but inciting a fight against a, a team uh, a game official rather and at the middle of the court while the game is going and still uh, in rage even though his players were trying to uh, plead their case towards him not to pursue this anymore then that calls for a lengthy suspension because you can't have coaches just imposing their will against the referees trying to threaten them physically and then get a light suspension so this is, so this is a precedent that moving forward if something like this happens again and we hope it will not happen anymore. That the same level of suspension will be bestowed. Three games. And that the case is unappealable. So let's see how Coach Bo Perasol will spend his days uh, until that uh, third day is uh, over. A third game is over. So he'll be back coaching... Uh, by the 11th game of uh, the elimination round.
and he's just hoping that when he comes back the Fighting Maroons will win majority of the three games that they're just a win or two closer into clinching a Final Four stint. So we always hear it in sports, in the spirit of fairness. We always hear that phrase. But what exactly does it mean? So if you're fair to your opponent, then you don't do uh, anything illegal to your advantage. So PEDs, performance enhancing drugs, are a no-no. In baseball, altering your bat with pine tar is also a no-no. In American football, deflating the ball a bit is also a no-no. And just any unallowed activity that can boost your chances of winning, even for a slim percentage, is not uh, true to the sports tenant in the spirit of fairness. And this fairness, this parity, is being questioned in recent days by Congressman Mikey Romero, who also owns the Northport Barang Pier squad in the PBA. And he's questioning if uh, foreign athletes are detriment to the spirit of fairness in college basketball. Because frankly, in one end, you can argue that the schools with uh, better resources can attract a foreign player to come into their university, get an education, and represent the school in basketball uh, more often than not as a center. It has been the trend recently, especially uh, with uh, the likes of Ben Mbala, Karim Abdul, Steve Akomo, and uh, Papi Sar. So, prior to that, you've had foreign players like Kirk Long and Zion Laterre. So, they were wingmen, not the big guys. But from that moment forward, seems like it's an automatic that if there's a foreign player in the team most likely it will be the the man in the middle and we've seen that trend become the norm recently in the UAAP and the NCAA and I believe NCAA is doing something about it by trying to ban foreign players uh, altogether after this season so Let's see how the schools will react to that. But is it really detrimental to fairness allowing foreign players to to don the university's uh, uniforms and represent them in basketball? I believe not. And uh, this bill that Congressman Romero filed 
in the House of Representatives banning foreign athletes altogether and citing Team Philippines' performance in the FIBA World Cup, which is not in any way connected to foreign players in the UAAP. Uh, the dots, the, the dots just doesn't connect. And an excerpt from the bill that uh, Congressman Romero filed. The big problem here, uh, and I quote, the big problem here is our homegrown Filipino athletes are not being given equal chance. The imports who are leading the UAAP right now in terms of MVP races are dominating. We are shortcutting and we are stopping the growth and development of our Filipino players. This should be for all sports in the collegiate level. And just by these four sentences alone, four statements alone, there is a counter-argument that favors not banning foreign athletes to play here. Well, first things first, just imagine if the USA had this provision and Kobe Paras wasn't allowed to play for Crichton or CSUN uh, or at least for his high school basketball. And even Javit Aguilar was not played allowed to play in Western Kentucky. It's the same. It's the same principle, uh, but uh, in reverse. So it's our Filipino players who now are the foreigners playing in the United States. So they are the foreign athletes in the USA. Just imagine if they had this kind of bill or rule. In uh, the NCAA guidelines, then it's uh, partly discriminatory because, in the spirit of fairness, you give everyone an opportunity to play. But you can regulate that fairness, and I'll tell you how in a while. So, going back to uh, this excerpt from the uh, the proposed bill. The problem here is our homegrown Filipino athletes are not being given equal chance. Well, they are given equal chances because the big guy is just taking one spot in the team. And their life doesn't end in college basketball. But sadly, for these foreign athletes, once they're done with the UAAP, who knows where they will land? Who knows where they will play? Charles Mami, for all we know, he's now a scout, but... Uh, we don't have an idea what he's up to lately because they're not allowed to play in the PBA when in fact our homegrown players if they do well enough in the UAAP even though it's still uh, the big foreign guy who is dominating they still have a shot to make it to the big leagues the pros so talking, talking about equal opportunity here we're not uh, seeing it at the long term, but rather we're seeing it, uh, we're seeing a microcosm of what's what's happening. That because we have been focusing on the micro too much, we are not looking at equal opportunities 
at the macro level over the long run. So equal opportunity is just one spot. There are 11 other spots in the squad. And if you train hard, do well, practice hard, then you'll get noticed. You'll get more playing time and you'll be able to show what you're made of. It just so happened that physically, these players from Africa are taller, bigger, and uh, have uh, great physique. That's why the college teams who think that they would win, that they can win with one of these centers on board. So in the spirit of fairness and the spirit of giving everyone an equal, equal chance, they're just taking up one spot and you couldn't even play two foreign players at the same time heck you're not even allowed to have more than one foreign player at that so there are still 11 other roster spots in one squad multiply that by 8 so that's 88 as compared to the 8 other foreign players it's just so happened that they're the ones getting the attention, the passes, and the points because that's how everybody else plays. Just imagine if there's a college team that did not rely on the big guy. That's impossible in the Philippines because that's what we lack, height. That's why these teams, these college teams, try to address where they are lacking or where they are weak. And that's why everybody else gets a big foreign guy. And with this big foreign guys, I'm not saying that uh, I cannot support rather uh, another provision in the proposed bill saying that we are shortcutting and we are stopping the growth and development of our Filipino players. When in fact, they are more challenged to play against these guys to prove themselves that they are not pushovers. Ask any UAAP player, past or present, who uh, has experience playing with or against these uh, Phil foreigners, and they will tell you that it has helped them improve because they now have that chip on their shoulder to prove that Filipinos can match whatever they can do in basketball. More importantly, that they are deserving of their spot in the squad. So, we can argue the fact or the theory, yeah, that's uh, a better way to put it, that it's undercutting the development of Filipino players. When, in fact, they have to be used to it because come international competitions, we are facing uh, three Ben Embalas or three chabios in our opposing squad so you'll now have that um, stock knowledge or now have that experience and confidence on dealing with this type of players also congressman romero says that the imports who are leading the uap right now in terms of mvp races are dominating well they're called to dominate. 
what, what else do they have to do? That's why you don't see them shooting from the outside because there are a lot of shooters in the UAAP. So that's that. Uh, those bases are covered already, and you get something that you don't have, or that uh, you are lacking or weak. And that's how you try to bolster the team. You don't get a lot of the same uh, guys in one squad. No wonder the UP Fighting Maroons is having a bit of a logjam between uh, Juan Gomez de Leano and even uh, Richie Rivero and even JD Tungkab. Because if you compare them, they're essentially the same players. They can take the same spots. So they're called to dominate because if you're taller than your competition, then if you're not dominating, then something's wrong. Last but not the least, this should be for all, all sports in the collegiate level. Well, that's not uh, for the board to choose or the lawmakers to choose. But I believe that this should be a matter that will that must be handled privately by the UAAP and without any government intervention whatsoever because subtly allowing foreign players to come here is a good vantage point to sell our country to sell our culture to sell what kind of people we are and uh, how beautiful the Philippine, the Philippines is. So when they go back to their country and bring stories, good stories about our country, then that would entice more people to visit and more foreign athletes to play and try to bring their knowledge as well to improve our sports. So if all foreign athletes are banned to play in all sports collegiate sports or that imagine bearing something someone from Kenya or Ethiopia who are powerhouses in distance running and bearing them to uh, get their college education here and represent their university just imagine the trade-off you can get from the knowledge that they have as far as long distance running is concerned so this uh, proposed banning of foreign athletes uh, has several loopholes it's something that we don't need because what we can do is regulate the foreign athletes so if you have one foreign athlete per team then that's well and good that's okay you still have 11 other roster spots that you can give to the local players. So limit it to one. So you'll have eight players in the UAP who don't have any Filipino blood. Of course, they will dominate because that's what they're called to do. Would you allow Chabio or even Duanga take five three-pointers a game? That's now... That's not how they're called to play. They're called to play in the paint, dominate, crash the boards, get offensive rebounds, and outwit the opposing center. Because that's what they're built to do in the Philippine setting of basketball. No wonder they're getting 
the statistical points because they have the capacity to do that and even taking that away is like lowering the benchmark that we are setting for our collegiate players I'm not saying that they're not good but the the statistics will be drastically lower and just because uh, someone finishes third in the MVP race then they would feel good for themselves that they can get a spot in the PBA when in fact they could have trained harder put them up against uh, foreign guys foreign big guys and improve their overall performance altogether because of the chip of, on their shoulder to perform well and to fight for Filipino pride in general so we cannot ban foreign athletes because it will do more harm in Philippine basketball they always say that you don't improve if you play the same team over and over or you play pick up basketball against the guys that you already know because uh, there's a lot of sorry and excuse me there's not a lot of, not a lot of uh, defense or offense being played and the level of competition is just lower so if we have one foreign athlete in a squad and we come to the next issue which is the one and done players and I believe this is a bigger issue than foreign athletes because at least the foreign athletes stay here for like three four years they immerse themselves in the Filipino culture they try to learn the language and once they go out of the university they practically are Filipino they can speak the language uh, passable with passable fluency but on the other hand one and duns then that's more criminal than foreign athletes as these foreign athletes should develop Ange Kwame still has three colli collegiate years after this and there's no reason to believe that he will not use all three so the one and duns are a more serious case than for me are more a more serious case than foreign athletes because that is uh, the best example of taking somebody else's roster spot so imagine someone who grew up from this school went up the ranks juniors uh, from grade school to juniors and now possibly college and waiting his opportunity to play for the university but couldn't because they were able to scout this guy from another country who has Filipino blood and apparently is good in basketball so just imagine the psychological effect that has to that player who has primed himself for so long for a stage like this only to be usurped by somebody who just so happened to be good in basketball and then entering playing for one year and then done that's the biggest that's a bigger offense than letting foreign players because that essentially is stealing a roster spot from players so if you have one foreign player and I'm proposing a solution here right now 
have one foreign player per per squad per team regardless of sport so even in volleyball or team sports like baseball football allow one foreign player one that doesn't have any trickle of Filipino blood okay one and then limit also one and dones to one per team but if they use the one and done rule quote unquote this year then place a provision that they couldn't use it for consecutive years so at least somebody else has gets a roster spot somebody else gets integrated into the team and by the time that another one and done tries to squeeze in and usurp that guy then the guy who is uh, well embedded into the system has a better chance of retaining his spot so I'm not sure if the UAAP board will implement this but this is the delusion that I see foreign athletes um, they're just part of the UAAP already let's deal with it imagine life without them imagine ba imagine UAAP basketball without them it would still be intense and the rivalries would still be there but you are at the edge of the seat of your seat because at any given time they can get an, uh, an offensive rebound and just slam the ball into the hoop or just swat a shot three rows away from the baseline so they have that impact and taking that away especially now that UAAP is uh, a big money event and it attracts a lot of attention then that's a that's a detriment to the level of competition so one foreign player per team one one and done player in every other season and you still have 10 other roster spots for the Filipinos there's still 80 uh, roster spots in the UAAP and you get the best of the best the problem is this is that uh, the lev the talent pool is so deep uh, that you have to create a, a narrow funnel to get the best of the best almost every 10 year old kid is playing basketball and what percentage of the Philippine population uh, are they so that's a big talent pool already and as they go up the run ranks then the filter narrows until 80 players Filipino with that reaches the UAAP level or a big bigger pool would be 110 players in the NCAA so I'm not sure if this bill will pass if uh, the lawmakers would agree but I hope they not they don't because it doesn't really make any sense but rather let's leave it at one foreign player per team one one and done player every other season and then we still have 10 roster spots
for the best of the best young talent the Philippines will ever produce in basketball. After the FIBA World Cup, the Samahang Basketball ng Pilipinas now gears up for the upcoming Southeast Asian Games that the Philippines will be hosting. And they have tapped coach uh, Tim Cohn to uh, handle the reins for uh, this squad. And uh, he has chosen a 15-man pool for the competition. And uh, by the looks of it, his uh, players from Hinebra will dominate the training pool. So we have Japet Aguilar, Arthur De La Cruz. We also have Stanley Pringle and also Greg Slaughter, L.A. Tenorio, and Scotty Thompson being part of the training pool for the SEA Games. And uh, they are reinforced by Jason Castro, Junmar Fajardo, Marshall Lassiter, Vic Manuel, Roger Pugoy, Chris Ross, Troy Rosario, Christian Stan Hardinger, and Matthew Bright. So those are the 15 players that uh, are vying for roster spots for Team Gilas for the 2019 Southeast Asian Games. And looking at this composition, so given the short preparation time, so Coach Tim Cohn is already banking on familiarity with six of the 15 players coming from his squad. Certainly, he will employ the triangle offense and it's nice to have a core who knows how it works because it's an intricate system that um, is banking on a lot of movement, a lot of screens, and a lot of options. Because if the triangle doesn't work in this side, then you can transfer to that side and try to run the offense again. And they have the playmaker in Tenorio who can run the offense smoothly. And they have a guard who can score big and Pringle. And also a guard who can surprise the opponents with this outside shooting. And more importantly, his defense and Chris Ross. So finally, Chris Ross gets to represent the country in uh, an international competition in basketball. Also, another factor in this squad is that it's loaded with shooters. And you have shooters like Jason Castro, Marshall Lassiter, Roger Pugoy, who is dying to redeem himself from a decimal FIBA World Cup performance. And even Troy Rosario is uh, hoping for the same. And then you put an energy guy in Scotty Thompson, another shooter in Matthew Wright. And of course, the big guys, June Marfajardo, Japet Aguilar, Greg Slaughter. And it's very evident what Coach Tim Cohen is trying to do with his roster. So you have big guys who can dominate, rebound, try to get as much possessions as they can to get more scoring opportunities and uh, run up the scoreboard. And if that doesn't materialize their post game, their inside presence, then they could kick out to the guys like Pogoy, Matthew Wright, Rosario, and even Lassiter. Then you have um, an hustle guy a big hustle guy in in Christian Stan Hardinger and a smaller version in Scotty Thompson. So they are the energy guys. And uh, if uh, the enthusiasm of the team uh, runs low, they will inject uh, energy into the gameplay. 
So that's uh, plain and simple how this system works. And you, ha you add Vic Manuel for sure measure because he has a decent uh, medium range game. So if you have three point shooters like Pogoy, Matthew Wright covering the three point land, you would need uh, guys like Manuel and even Arthur De La Cruz to cover the medium range game. At least you get scoring opportunities uh, outside the paint and inside the three point line with these guys. And of course, you still have speed with Castro and Tenorio and Chris Ross. So every time Aguilar or Fajardo or even Vic Manuel sets a pick and uh, the defenders don't rotate or adjust or show, then these guys can just uh, blast through the lane and get an easy layup. So it's not it's not hard to dissect the, the squad that coach Tim Cohn put out because he's banking on familiarity, he's banking on specific roles, he know what he needs, he knows what he needs and uh, he's filling it with the guys who can get a job done his coaching staff though is quite interesting because he got Jamie Alapag and I believe he's there because he was able to pick up a lot from his tent in the summer league squad of the Sacramento Kings and it's also uh, head coach already in Alab. More importantly, he's there as a shooting coach that he can help refine the stroke of these guys from the perimeter. And that's something that they didn't have or someone that didn't, didn't have in, in China, in Foshan. So now, they have a Jimmy Alapag who can teach these guys how they can refine their stroke to be able to hit their mark more times than not. Then you have John Oichiko, a veteran coach. So he can input a lot of ideas, a lot of uh, philosophies, a lot of uh, game uh, adjustment situations. And he's a championship caliber coach as well. And then the most interesting part of the coaching squad. And seems like wherever Tim Cohn goes, he follows. And that's Joe DeVance. So this could be an indication that Joe DeVance might hang the sneakers, his sneakers, uh, in this season or next. That injuries, injuries has taken a toll on his body and that he couldn't perform at the same high level that he did before. He can still put up a three-pointer. He can still uh, put a body at the paint and defend decently, but not at the level that he did, let's say, half a decade ago. So with him being part of the coaching staff, maybe Coach Tim Cohn wants to get his feet wet in mentoring, in the mentoring side of the game. And that's why he got him for the SEA Games. And this is his baptism of fire. That in the not so distant future, he will eventually also wear a long sleeves and a tie together with Coach uh, Richard Del Rosario and uh, Olsen Rosella and the rest of uh, the assistant coach uh, coaches of the Hinebra Gin Kings. The last but not the least, 
Well, let's be honest. Uh, we are still the kings in Southeast Asia as far as basketball is concerned. Indonesia uh, had uh, Denzel Bowles, but and also Raiko Torman and their squad as their mentor. But their adjustments are not that convincing as far as trying to usurp Team Philippines in basketball supremacy in Southeast Asia. Still is not close. Even Thailand um, has not convincingly closed the gap, the margin. Why? Well, it's precisely because we are the only nation in Southeast Asia who is very crazy about basketball. Everybody else is into football and other sports while we uh, eat, live, and breathe basketball in our country. So with that, uh, with the sport being deeply ingrained in our nation, and we are the only one doing, having that uh, reality in the region, then that's why we are ahead of the other countries in terms of basketball in leaps and bounds at least for Southeast Asia that's why for the longest time we've also been winning and dominating Siaba tournaments because it's the same opponents that we will be facing here in uh, the Southeast Asian Games so Tim Cohn built uh, a training pool or got a training pool that didn't get the job done at least for the Sea Games and this is a team um, that uh, some of them will maybe uh, may be part of uh, the long-term plans. So some of them may be part of the team by 2023. But in terms of uh, the, task of the task at hand, which is the SEA Games, then whoever gets out of this 15-man uh, training pool can get the job done because the level of competition is not that high. Uh, nobody can match us as far as Southeast Asia is concerned. Of course, you couldn't say that to your opponents because it might motivate them. And you couldn't, uh, the players couldn't uh, inculcate that in their heads because that would be tantamount to uh, being overconfident. And we know what can happen when they have that mentality. But if they uh, put their heads up, prepare well enough, and gel under the triangle offense of coach Tim Cohn, then there would be no doubt that they can sweep the competition again, get a gold medal, and reassert the Philippines' supremacy in basketball in Southeast Asia. And we've come to the end of another episode of the Limahan Basketball Podcast. Man, this has been the longest episode that I have recorded so far. But it has been fun and we hope that you can join us, join us again in our next episode. So uh, f- do follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash limahanpodcast, facebook.com slash limahanpodcast as we try to uh, record uh, more frequently. Uh, for episodes in the Limahan Basketball Podcast. And of course, continue to follow the games at the MPBL 
of course, the PBA Governors Cup and the UAAP Season 82. And also keep an eye on uh, the National Basketball League, especially the Women's National Basketball League. And the 3x3 competitions by Chuxigo and the 3x3 competitions also by the UAAP. So basketball is starting to pick up uh, as we uh, head towards the latter part of the year. And as we go into 2020, then it will just uh, continue and uh, more competitions will come in the horizon. So once again, this has been your boy Lance Fernandez always telling you that life is a ball. Never give up until the final buzzer. Thank you and God bless.